All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. I think we're live. I think this is working. We managed to work through some tech difficulties and uh, we're live with everybody here on a Friday. We're actually doing two different live streams today. So this is going to be a fun little challenge. May have to take in some extra caffeine here in just a little bit. I'm going to introduce our guest here in just a second, but I want to encourage everybody who's listening to the audio version of this after the fact, we do live stream every single one of our episodes now at facebook.com slash Boca Podcast as well as youtube.com slash Boca Podcast. So make sure that you follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast to catch up on the latest live streams, upcoming live streams. Come join us, hang out, have conversation, ask questions, send us funny emojis. Uh, We just want people to engage. And this is a really cool opportunity to do that, to engage with our guests, to ask questions about the topic at hand. So do that, take advantage of that. Um, As usual as well, I just want to share a little screenshot, the receipt of my donation to Charity Water today. And Again, this is just a way for me to encourage everybody listening and watching to look for opportunities to give back, whether in your local community or on a much larger scale with an organization like Charity Water as well. It's amazing how just a little bit of money can go a long ways. All right. Well, enough of me kind of rambling on here, the monologue. Maybe I need to come up with some comedy for future monologues. (laughs) We'll leave that alone for right now. And I want to go ahead and jump over to my guest for today, I am joined today by Stephanie Cole. Hey, Stephanie, thank you so much for making this happen. Despite all the the audio issues we had to kind of work through, you've been very patient so far. So thank you for that. Thank you. We're here. (laughs) We are here. And we're going to make this thing happen. And we're going to actually talk about client experience today, which is pretty exciting because, you know, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. It's a question I ask everyone on my guests. How do they, what big idea drives their client experience? That is going to be our primary topic today. You're going to talk about how to create a different experience, um, one that will enable a business to stand out, which is a big challenge in this this market these days, so many photographers. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Before we do, as I normally do, I want to ask a few questions. The first of it, uh, of the questions is brand position, about brand position. And while we're talking about this, I'm going to actually pull up your website at uh, stephaniecolephotography.com. Let me make sure this is working. There it goes. Yep. All right, cool. So Stephanie, and by the way, for everybody listening in, it's S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E, Cole, C-O-L-E, photography.com. We'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Stephanie, tell me what your business's brand position, what sets you apart in that marketplace? So if you scroll down like an inch, you'll see it. (laughs) Um, My brand position is you deserve beautiful family photos without all the stress. and before I get into that, I want to just thank you for always starting your podcast with this question, because um, in a former life, I was a marketing teacher. Mm. I went to school for marketing and branding is kind of my nerdy obsession um, <laughs> and specifically like um, consumer psychology and what makes people buy certain brands, what mm-hmm. makes people willing to splurge on certain things, but not others. I just find that fascinating and photographers don't put enough energy into learning the business side and the branding side. And I see Mm. so many really good photographers struggling to book clients. Um, And I just love that you teach this in your podcast and talk about it. And it's my favorite part of every segment. (laughs) So um, thank you for doing that. (laughs) Absolutely. And I have to give you major props too, because then I'm going to jump back to the, to your website here. You deserve beautiful family photos without all the stress. This is a really powerful position statement. And, and one of the most, I think, clear that we've had on the podcast thus far, you know, if, if you were to start with just beautiful family photos, that's kind of obvious, right? Like plenty of photographers want to take pretty pictures, but that caveat 
and an important one without all the stress is something that so many families needing family photos can relate to from their childhood. You know, if I, I still remember, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, going to a photo studio, or even if my dad wanted to just set up family photos in the backyard or in the front yard. Yeah. It was a stressful experience overall. <laughs> for, even as for is us photographing as kids. your own children anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so that right there is super powerful. And uh, as we say in here on the podcast, or I've said so many times before, as long as that, that, that message then is backed up with the experience that you're delivering, oh my goodness, this is going to make such a big impact in your marketplace, which is where? Where are you based? Connecticut, Fairfield County. Um, okay. And I'm mostly here. I, I'm starting to, I do work in New York. And I'm starting to get a lot of inquiries in New York City, so I do travel. I'll travel anywhere, really. <laughs> so, um, but Fairfield County is a nice spot because we are close enough to New York City um, to be able to drive there, take the train, um, and we're really close to everything. Um, the challenge for me with coming up with a position statement is that I do work in a lot of genres that are all family-oriented, but mm. the difference between a first-time mom who hasn't had her baby yet is very different than a mom of three or four you know, whose kids are toddlers. Yeah. And I had to make sure that my statement didn't alienate anyone or not apply to anyone. So I can't talk about wrangling toddlers or kids that aren't behaving because a mom who hasn't had her baby yet can't relate to that. <laughs> and I can't talk about like intricate posing and peaceful moments <laughs> because a mom with toddlers is like, my kid's not going to sit still for that. Right. So I really had to look at like everything I offer and say, what is the common denominator what is the thing that all of these services have in common? And to me, the client closet and the posing and the, the helpfulness and the communication, it all is kind of underneath the underlying umbrella of eliminating stress for you. Hmm. And we're um, going to talk about that client closet here in a yeah. little bit, too. This is something I honestly have no experience with personally as a photographer. I shot weddings, engagement sessions, just a little bit of family, but never did a wardrobe. Um, so I, I'm curious to dig into that, like genuine curiosity on my part. But I think we're going to yeah. learn something today in that regard. But what I love that you're highlighting here is this kind of nuance. When we come up with a brand position statement, the goal is to, of course, it's a, it's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the only piece of the puzzle. It's an important piece of the puzzle to communicate to that potential client what it is that we offer that's different than the other photographers around us. But if we get too specific or too exclusive, then we also will filter out clients that maybe we want to work with. I mean, the, the value of the, the brand position statement is that it filters, but then we also run the risk of filtering the wrong people, right? We, we want to keep certain clients involved. So I love that you highlight the nuance there that you had to consider, which is I need to come up with a statement that makes me stand out, but I also don't need to be too specific or say the wrong word because that's going to filter out the wrong people. Right. And I owe it to your podcast for the first two words because it, up until a few weeks ago, it was just beautiful family photos without the stress. Um, and I was listening to one of your guests and he had his as you deserve, blah, blah, blah. And I just love that added two words that it mm. makes it feel more authentic and more personal because mm. I am a mom and I really do want to give all of my clients what I want for myself. Mm. Um, and I think they deserve it. You know, I think for all we do, we deserve to have really great photos of our family. Um, and so I added those two words and it feels so much more personal versus just like a tagline. Uh, and I love that little addition. Well, we'll certainly link to your website in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And it is stephaniecolephotography.com for anybody who's listening in or watching for that matter. Of course, you see that on the screen if you're watching live. And by the way, those of you that are streaming live, don't hesitate to comment, ask questions, please engage. We want this to be a group discussion. I think it'd make it even more fun that way. 
I'm going to skip the question about that I normally ask about customer experience because we're going to dig into that in detail. What is it you're doing with your clients? Let me jump to free time. And from the very beginning, this podcast has largely been about efficiency. We talk about all different elements of running a photography business, but all under the premise of let's figure out how we can do it efficiently so that we can have a successful business, but also have a life, right? And this is mm -hmm. particularly important when you have kids. You talked about being a mom. What is a principle or idea that you've implemented in your business that's enabled you to have that kind of freedom and flexibility in your life? So these are my, I'll just tilt up. These are my three. They're oh, <laughs> six. beautiful. Five and two. Um, oh, actually, so there's do, not, do that again. I'm going to go full screen one more time. There we go. There's a ah, bunch of them. There we go. <laughs> oh, they're beautiful. Wow. Thanks. Um, so six, five, and two. Um, and I, yeah, there's not a lot of free time. That's for sure. And mm. I actually, you know, do most of what I do. Um, my husband and I basically kind of work it out between us. We don't really have a whole lot of help. Um, and we are just now entering school phase. So like really for the last six years, it's been juggling this with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but with that being said, I've never wanted to be someone who's home with them, but who's like on my phone 24 seven or who's always right. saying, hold on a second. So the only way to have free time is to schedule it. It's just the reality. Um, and I feel the same about anything, whether it's exercising or, you know, anything that is important to you, you have to schedule it in intentionally or else it probably won't happen. Um, so I schedule days off of shooting. I schedule days off of editing. I schedule vacation time. I schedule days off of shooting ahead of vacation time so that when I go on vacation, I don't have an editing list hanging over my head. Um, I schedule a week off for back to school so that I can be really present for my kids during that time. Uh, I schedule whatever your periods of life are that are stressful and that you want to be really present block it off. Um, and I think that's really important because otherwise when you get an inquiry and you're excited, you're just going to look at your calendar and send over any open dates. Yeah. And I really, and as my kids are now going to school this coming year, I'm going to be really intentional about which days I shoot. And when those sell out, they sell out and I'm not going beyond it. So, uh, schedule it. That's the only way free time happens. And even then it's hard. Oh, it is. But I love that. I love that the at least the impression I'm getting is that you're you're scheduling those days off or blocking time off before you're even getting the sessions. I think a lot of photographers, yes. it goes the other way around. It's like, shoot, I need to get as much business as possible, which, yes. of course, is understandable. But then then they're, they're like, oh, they look at the calendar and, and I have nothing left. It's filled <laughs> up. And then they're working late in the evenings like you were talking yeah. about on their phone, on their computer. And it becomes overwhelming. Um, I, I love and I the, did that for four years. Like, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, when you don't know if you'll be busy next month. You panic and you think I have to take everything that's there. But once you get comfortable that the bookings are coming and they're consistent and I'm doing a good job and I'm going to bring it back to client experience, when you give yourself some time to refill your cup, that's a big term that moms use. It's like you have to refill your cup or else you can't be a good mom. And it's the same of a business owner or a dad or anything. Um, you're going to give your clients a better experience when you're not taking on more than you can handle. Hmm. That's good. By the way, just a quick question, a uh, little nerdy one maybe, but I, <laughs> I've used a variety of tools for task and project management, scheduling, et cetera, over the years. Are you using a particular app for your time blocking or is it just simply the calendar app on your phone? <laughs> um, I used Upsado for scheduling. So okay. that's how I show my clients available dates. Uh, for my own scheduling and just for my family, we use a Google calendar because it's something that we can both have access to and yep. it's something that I can access 
when I'm on my phone, not at home. Mm -hmm. um, so we use a Google Calendar. And then what I've started doing is for the week ahead, because my Google Calendar is so full that I can't even see it all. <laughs> it's like wow. too much. So I've started using, just with the kids and appointments. So I've started the week ahead having a paper calendar where I really write out everything and mm. like what meal I want to serve that day. Like just, you know, the day kind of mapped out more extensively than would be in the Google Calendar. You know, it, it seems kind of obvious, but to me, the fact that you're using a Google Calendar is brilliant. And I think a lot of, I'm sure plenty of people use Google Calendar, but I think a lot of photographers are maybe missing out, especially those with family, partners, people that they're living with and have to coordinate with. Yeah, it, It's so important to actually, in order to be on, on the same page, to be sharing a calendar. Maybe that's more commonplace now. I know in, in years past, it wasn't as much. Uh, but you whether can have using, different categories. So like, yeah. I can block off family stuff. So I only see my work commitments mm -hmm. and I have it linked through Dubsado as well. So when I book an appointment through there, it automatically shows up with the client's name, email, the location. So I don't have to manually type that in, which, you know, it, again, it, it's time that adds up. It, it really does. And as simple as these concepts are at the end of the day, if we don't apply them and, and then stick with them consistently, then we're going to, we're going to have that overwhelming experience as a photography Absolutely. business owner, which is uh, it just get, it eats at our personal lives and certainly takes away from our ability to really bring the focus that we need to to our business. So this is good stuff. Uh, we got a little hand wave uh, from a listener. So that's good. We're beginning to get some kind of engagement <laughs> right. here. Uh, Imols is the, the username here, but um, thanks for saying hello. And, and seriously, for everybody listening and watching, say hello, ask questions. And uh, we're going to get to our, our main topic here in just a second. I've got a couple more questions for you, though. Talk about outsourcing or delegation. Is this something that you've experienced with uh, in, or experimented, I should say, within your business? And of course, this isn't just about editing. We can delegate so many different things. Have you experimented with it in your business? Yes, <laughs> a lot. And um, Dubsado would be the first thing that I started utilizing. And I strongly encourage you, if it's not a client management system, you can even do this kind of yourself uh, with canned emails. But uh, I was really nervous to get into automation because I was afraid it would take away my voice. It would take away the personal touch um, that's really important to me. But what I've realized is that uh, things like typing out how to download the pictures from the gallery or things like, you know, don't forget to bring this, this and this to your session. That stuff is not my voice. That's mm. not my heart and soul. That is fine print. And I don't need to be retyping that seven times a week for my sessions. It's ridiculous. So right. um, I use automation, but I also do still add in personal touches. I still will always put in a paragraph at the top and bottom mm -hmm. that is personal to my clients. You know, I love the dress you are. It looks so great on you. I'm so glad we chose this location. You know, your little boy fell down. I hope he's feeling better, whatever it may be. Um, so that's been huge and that's kept me organized and that has freed up a lot of time. And it's also really made the client experience better because they're getting more consistent information at a more consistent pacing. Um, the other things I have automated is my client closet because I reached a point where it was just out of control and I couldn't keep up with it. I was literally just emailing people back and forth and they're like, can we have this, this, and this, and this size, and this size, and this size? Oh, and we changed our mind. Oh, can I grab it in an hour? Oh, <laughs> and man. I was burning out and I yeah. was getting disorganized and I was like, this can't continue. And I was afraid to grow the client closet more because I literally couldn't handle more. Um, so with the help of my amazing web designer, Freya Rose Tanner, she not only built me a new website, but found me software, which is bookable. That is basically a inventory management system that I plugged in every single item I own, every size. 
It keeps track of my inventory. It shows what's available. It shows what's not. Not only is it easier for me, but it's better. So you're going to click start shopping and it will bring you to where you can shop. Yeah. So um, for those of you listening to the audio, we're actually on Stephanie's website right now. And she's got this whole page that is dedicated to this. This is brilliant. Oh my I mean, word. I have thousands of items at this point. You can filter it by color. You can filter it by what the item is, like oh men's, women's. Um, and this is my point of this is this has also made the client experience better for my clients because they don't have to now email me back and forth and they don't have to keep track. Um, they can literally just click, click, click and they're done. Um, they literally just put in their name, their email, their date and they're done. And so many people have told me this was so easy, so fast. So um, while you might be afraid that automation is going to lessen your client experience, I think if it's done properly, it actually makes it better. And then the third thing I've automated, which you could also, the last page you're on, you probably saw, is that I did hire a stylist to work for me, and she handles the styling portion of the booking process. So she helps families plan their outfits. She gives recommendations on what will work well together. She creates beautiful styling boards, collages for them so that they can visualize it together. And... This piece for me was something that as I was getting busier and as clients were expecting more and more help with styling, um, I was, again, burning out and feeling overwhelmed, and I wasn't bringing the energy to it that I wanted to be bringing. I didn't feel that I was showing up 100% because I was so overwhelmed with all the other aspects of running the business. And I also felt that clients sometimes felt bad asking me for help because they know how busy I am. I am. So bringing on a stylist who I trust and who understands the process, you know, it was very minimal training for her, which is great. Um, it's someone that I know personally, and I, I know that she is great with people because of her other job, and I know that she has great taste. So it was really just little things that we had to kind of nail down about the process and logistics. And she is able to bring so much better energy to it than I could, and she does such a great job with it. And again, with the in terms of the experience to my clients, it feels really special and fancy that like, ooh, I get to message the stylist now uh, <laughs> versus I mean, like, I'm, oh, I'm going to email my photographer and she's going to, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bog her down with more work. It feels special and they don't feel bad asking because this is her dedicated job for me. Sure. Oh, I mean, I'm impressed. And it's I, all virtual. It's I, all done through Instagram DMs. Wow. I, this is like, this is <laughs> truly next level. I've literally never heard or seen of any photographer doing anything like this before to be able to actually go in and choose your wardrobe ahead of time. And again, for those of you listening to the audio, make sure you just go back to facebook.com slash book podcast or youtube.com slash book podcast. And you can see the visuals that I'm talking about here. Of course, you can also go to stephaniecolephotography.com. But this is this is beyond impressive. This is amazing. It's even color coded if you need to know how crazy I am. <laughs> I'm super impressed by this. Oh my goodness. Thank okay. You. Well, we need to, we'll we'll keep going here because we're going to come yeah. back to this and dig into it in a little bit more detail. But um, I, we had a comment from Sharon who says, "Love the client closet." And oh, yeah, Sharon. oh my word, like super super impressed by this whole thing. So wow, really really cool. Okay. Thank you. So delegation. I mean, we'll just, we'll leave that alone for the time being. Let's come back to the client mm -hmm. closet in just a little bit. Very briefly, the most impactful book, personal or business related book that you've read in the last few years, what comes to mind? So speaking of scheduling time, I probably haven't read a book, honestly, since before my kids were born. And I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say that, except yeah. for like when I was teaching and I was reading books for lesson planning. Um, this is something I'm trying to really schedule back into my life as okay. well as podcasts, <laughs> um, which is the next best thing to reading, I guess. 
Um, but I love building a story brand. That book kind of just, um, it's everything that I love about marketing and, and that marketing doesn't have to be scammy and selling and sleazy car salesmen. Um, marketing is you're providing a service that people want and just teaching you the right vocabulary to articulate the amazing things you have to offer. And I think that book does a great job of kind of outlining how to do that in a way that will resonate with people and that's digestible and that doesn't feel like a sales pitch. Yeah, and I'm actually, as, as you're talking here, I'm, I'm pulling up the book and we'll jump over to Amazon. For those of you that are watching online, um, you can see Building a Story Brand. And this is a book that we talk about quite a bit here on the podcast. It is certainly one of my favorite business books that I've read. Clarify Your Message so customers will listen. And, and I'd love your take on this before we get into the, this main topic about client experience today, Stephanie. One of the things that Donald highlights in this book is the significance of making the client the hero, right? Mm-hmm. Photographers, and I've been guilty of it as well, photographers tend to subconsciously, if nothing else, make their business and what it is they're doing and offering about them, their mm-hmm. ego, their preferences, et cetera. And I understand the significance of including a certain amount of that, but at the end of the day, it's about serving the client. And I love that Donald highlights the notion that we should be high, really focused on making the client the hero rather than making us the hero in that conversation. How have you applied that to your business? I mean, just, you know, how often you go to a photographer's website and their homepage is, I got my first camera when I was 12 and I love capturing the moment. I, I don't care yet. I will care once you've convinced me that you're the one for me and that you Mm. can serve me, but I don't care yet. Not to sound mean. (laughs) Um, It's it's true. I think think honest conversations need to be had about that. I I think what happened was the industry was very cold and impersonal. When I first started in photography, that's kind of where the industry still was. This is back 2001. and, And there was a lot of uh, photographers that had been around for a long time and had approached business in a more traditional way. I mean, this is back in the day of yellow pages, right? Yeah. Before yeah. web-based commerce was even a thing, really. So as we've seen the industry shift largely due to obviously a large move online and digital photography, the the notion of being more personal became more popular. But now we've kind of, the, the pendulum has swung to such an extreme that mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, you land on a photographer's page and it's all about them and, and you know, the kind of st- what is cliche and kind of frustratingly so at this point, the, the typical image that you see of a photographer with their head thrown back, laughing with mm-hmm. a you know, coffee cup in their hand. Everybody's trying to emulate this particular look and then mm-hmm. talking about themselves. And it's, it is, the personal element is still extremely important. I mean, it is mm-hmm. personal relationships in the end. But, we need to first focus on explaining how we're going to add value to their life. That is the most important thing. And so I love that you highlight that. I think honest conversation about that's good. Yeah. I mean, my whole business is just, again, especially for like the parents with, you know, you have kids, you probably remember what it was like when they were toddlers and these moms just want a decent picture of their family. (laughs) That's all they want. And they want to like how they look. That's important because If you hate the way you look in the picture, you're not going to be able to appreciate that moment with your kids. Um, They just want a decent picture of their family. And they are so and I I think especially nowadays, moms, especially, but all parents are just overwhelmed with life (laughs) and with the amount being thrown at them. And I just really enjoy taking as much of that off their shoulders as I can. And that's kind of just what I'm always talking about, because I just do believe it. And it's what I like to do. you deserve beautiful photos and you deserve to not have to do all of the work and detail planning that it takes to make those happen. I, the, I'm the professional. I know how to do it. 
I know all the details that will make a difference. You know, let me take that off of you and let me help you. Well, I mean, you're certainly making that evident. And, and you know, <laughs> we talked about your brand position statement there. It highlights that very concept. So um, I love that. Again, we'll link for everybody in the show notes. I accidentally, as we were talking, I hit the wrong button a little bit earlier, Stephanie, and I accidentally erased all the captions that I had pre uh, created with your, your website and your Instagram. So for everybody listening in, just very quickly again, stephaniecolephotography.com, S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E, and then Cole, C-O-L-E, photography.com, and then your Instagram as well, which we hadn't even mentioned yet, Stephanie Cole Photography. We'll link to both of these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Let's jump to our primary topic at hand. What we're going to talk about yeah. today is this idea of differentiation through client experience. And uh, I've said this on the podcast as well, speaking of having honest conversation, I think there's a lot of emphasis in the photography industry about style and not enough emphasis quite yet about experience. Because you know, the reality is with this cool little phone that I've got in my hand here, I can take a great image, put a filter on it, and I can have a cool quote unquote style. And it really doesn't make me any different than the person that lives next door to me, much less mm-hmm. the photographer down the street, because everybody can do that now. So if we're going to charge a premium for services, we need to create an experience that not only enables, but in some cases even justifies our ability to be able to charge a premium. And so I want to use that idea as a kind of a segue. And, and I'd love for you to, to kind of lead with a conversation about uh, almost that aha moment, right? That turning point mm-hmm. for you in your career and your business where you were like, I'm, I'm only making X amount a year. This is, just isn't cutting it. I want to take things to the next level. Talk to us about that, what you were going through at that point and what that transition sounded like. Yeah. Um, well, first, I just want to say, <laughs> I'm so, you know, I get kind of like hives when I'm in a photography group and I see someone post and be like, how much would you pay for these pictures? Um, co- photographers need to realize that just like in a restaurant, you're not just going there for the food. What else are you going there for? You're going there for the music, the experience, the service, the way people talk to you, the decor, right? All of these things combine to make a restaurant. You're not just going there for the actual food on your plate. Mm. Um, I think you termed this the the, the (laughs) quote unquote full client experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I just think that, listen, there's a million talented photographers out there who take great pictures. And I think that when you're coming up with your pricing you need to recognize how many other important parts there are to your business that impact why clients book you. Um, The way you communicate, the way you treat people, the way you actually run your sessions, all of those things are part of the experience. Don't just look at your picture next to someone else and say, well, they charge this amount, so where do I stand next to that? Because quality of work is really one piece. And to be honest, a lot of clients can't even see the difference. Um, the other things are just as important, if not arguably more important to mm-hmm. a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the the moment came, I call it the moment on the couch <laughs> in our house. That's the joke. Um, it was probably three or four years into my business and I was booking. I was busy. I was, um, you know, everything felt really copacetic and good. I was working all the time and I was still teaching a little bit. So I was juggling that. And I was actually trying to decide whether I should resign from teaching or keep going with it. And I sat down next to my husband, very like exasperated, and I said, I don't get it. I am charging as much as I can possibly, at the time, I thought it was as much as I could possibly charge because I was still looking at my pricing as 
what is an hour of shooting worth, you know, <laughs> versus looking at the holistic experience. I'm like, I'm charging as much as I can possibly charge for this. And I'm fully booked. And I'm still only getting like 60 to 70,000 in sales, mm. which is impressive considering. Yeah. But okay, I live in Fairfield County, Connecticut. <laughs> you take away expenses, you take away taxes. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing home 20 to 25,000 a year and yeah. I'm working constantly and I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown all the time. Like, yeah. And again, I had teaching to fall back on, which was a blessing for me because I didn't have to settle for 25,000 a year. I had this other job that I could go to and I could make more than that for less work <laughs> and with benefits. So that was always like my baseline of what is an appropriate amount to make in this job for it to be worth it to me. And if I can't make that, I love this, I'll make it a hobby and I'll go back to teaching. Um, and I just had this moment where I said, this isn't working and this isn't worth it. And he nodded like, yeah, it's not. And I did the backwards math of like, okay, if I want to clear, let's say six figures and let's look at my calendar, how many shoots can I do per month where I'm happy (laughs) and I'm giving a good experience and I'm busy, but I'm not killing myself and let's schedule out, you know, again, six weeks off vacation, Christmas, birthdays. Okay. How many sessions is that? And divide that into my goal and how much do I have to charge per session? And the result was a number that was high and scary. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I was like, no one will ever pay that. No way. (laughs) Uh, Like people don't pay, you know, I would never pay over a thousand dollars for family photos. That's how I felt at the time. Mm. Um, Because again, I'm looking at it. Someone's going to pay me for an hour of shooting. That's ridiculous. So then I, I worked backwards and you know, this is what teachers do. You, if you're, you know, once you, once you figure it out, you look at your unit, you look at like the year, you look at the thing you want your students to end on and you work backwards as to how to get there. And I did the same thing with pricing. I said, okay, I don't quite feel like my work is worth that right now. Maybe others will, but I didn't. What are some other things I could do to help add value to what I offer just beyond taking pictures, just beyond high quality pictures? Mm. And that's what I had to do. I had to like really work backwards. And what I did was I made a list of all the things that I do well And I kind of assumed people knew I did it. I kind of assumed that all photographers did these things like guiding clients through posing, like um, just whatever, you know, the little things that I did. I made a list and I said, okay, how can I really beef these up and make them like significant? How can I name them? How can I make them an actual thing that I talk about and that I offer so that, again, people won't look at this price and feel like that's ridiculous. They feel like they're getting something more than just photos. Um, I think that in today's world, price shopping is so easy. You don't have to go through the yellow pages and make phone calls anymore. You literally go into Google and you can comparison shop and price shop in seconds. And this is the only way for any business to succeed is to give an experience. I think if Toys R Us had adapted and given an experience, they'd still be here. I I truly think for Mm -hmm. any industry, Mm -hmm. you can't just sell a product anymore or a service. You have to make it worth they're wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just well, give a quick little example. You might have heard of them, but Stu Leonard's is a very popular grocery store here in Connecticut. Um, and it's basically a maze with all sorts of activities through the grocery store for kids and dancing animatronics and activities. And, you know, they if you Google them, they actually gross more profit per square foot than any other grocery store in the country. Really? 
Um, and they do charge not not outrageous prices, but their prices are higher than Stop mm-hmm. and Shop. But mm-hmm. why do you think people go there? Because it's an experience for their kids. They have a petting zoo. They have, you know, soft serve ice cream on your way out. It's something you can do with your kids. And you walk away. And this is what I think. What is a customer experience? It's how you make people feel. You walk away feeling like you got more than just groceries and you walk away feeling like that place over delivered and gave me more than what I paid for, even though you were paying more than you would have paid somewhere else. Sorry, I I rambled. No, (laughs) tell me the name of the store one more time because of course I'm going to take notes, but I want to write the name of the store down and look it up. Stu Leonard's. Stu Leonard's. Stu Leonard's. Okay. Yep. They actually do. I mean, they're they're definitely like a local gem here in Connecticut, but they do corporate training um, and management training for business people all over the world. People fly in from all over um, because they're just so well known for um, not just not just the way they treat customers, but even their their staff. They're like one of the you know, one of the top places to work in terms of happy, you know, their staff happiness and staff retention and things like that. So it's a really interesting business to kind of study. Yeah, we'll we'll t- we'll link to their at least their corporate site anyway mm-hmm. in the show notes too at bookapodcast.com. Kenny Wong says good morning from San Jose. <laughs> Thanks Kenny for listening and thanks for saying hello. And and for those of you that are still streaming live, um we've got a nice little group here. Please don't hesitate to sele- say hello or ask a question. We'd love to uh to have your involvement. So, I appreciate that Kenny. Um so, I guess Stephanie just to take it a step further, you realize what you needed to do in order to make more money for the sake of the effort and time that you're putting into it. You realize that you need to up the ante as far as the experience in order to back up the prices that you're now going to charge. What particular elements of your business at that point did you feel like you had to level up with? And to be honest, I do think I was giving a great experience before. Hmm. I'm naturally like very type A and very, I want (laughs) to, my husband will say I have control issues, but whatever, that's up (laughs) for debate. (laughs) (laughs) Bad for a marriage, good for a photographer, I guess. Um, But I do, I, I like to kind of, manage the details. And I like to kind of, I know the things that need to happen to bring the vision to life. Um, so I was always doing that. I just wasn't marketing it. I wasn't making it publicly seen. Everyone that worked with me saw it firsthand in our sessions, but I needed to like bring this to life <laughs> to the public who hadn't worked with me yet. Um, so that was really what I was trying to change. Um, so the things, the thing that I did was, like I said, I kind of made a list of everything that I do in a session and in planning a session and like, okay, what do I do well and how can we really turn this into something? Um, and I started brainstorming ways to make each one of those things, how to build on it, how to make it visible, how to give it a name if possible, you know, how to make this an actual tangible thing that people will talk about. Um, so for me personally, that list was number one was the client closet and styling. I was dabbling with the client closet. I was dabbling with styling and I wasn't sure if I wanted to commit to that work or that investment. And I said, okay, it's time to just dive in with both feet and we're just going to do this. (laughs) And if it doesn't work, if it flops, okay, that's not a big deal. We'll sell the dresses and you know, it is what it is. Um, I really had to just, I said, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it right. I have to have all the sizes. I have to be inclusive of plus size and petite. I have to have kids clothes and men's clothes. I got to have it all. I have to have all the seasons. So, um, and the styling again, I was kind of helping people with styling. I'm like, let's give this a name. Let's have a stylist. Let's make this official. Um, and that is one of the biggest things my clients talk about is she has a stylist, (laughs) you know, like they think it's so fun. And again, these moms deserve this. They deserve for this to be fun versus that experience of like, my session is in a week. I have to go on Old Navy and like 
overnight delivery, 1700 things that don't fit and don't end up working. You know, like that's the experience that most of us have had. Mm. And it should be to me, I want this to feel like a shopping spree. I want this to feel like go to the mall and buy anything you want. This is your day. And that's kind of what the website ends up feeling like um, with the client closet, which is kind of fun. The second thing was um, I already had a high level of communication and help with planning. But again, like, let me start marketing that. Let me start talking about that. Um, And let me really dive into the website because I don't have a studio. I don't have a physical space. Um, so my website has always been what I've put my effort into because that is my only um, visual thing that I can show the world besides my actual work. Um, so for that, again, just like formalizing that communication, linking up with Dubsado, putting in the time to make things a little bit more consistent versus mm-hmm. me handwriting every email when I remember to do it. Let's actually come up with a process. Yeah. And let's actually say, okay, you know, a week before their session, this is the reminder email I'm sending. And, you know, the day they book, this is what they're getting and just formalizing it. Directing clients during a session is something that, uh, again, I do it naturally. It's just my personality. I have a vision and I'm going to move you around to get the best angle and to get the thing that I see in my head. And I kind of assumed everyone did this. I've had so many clients say to me, thank you for... Mm -hmm. (laughs) fixing my hair and tucking my strap in and Mm -hmm. thank you for like being conscious of a high angle and thank you for being conscious of this thing I'm self-conscious about Mm -hmm. um just directing them being in control being confident letting them know when things aren't going well I've got this this is this is normal every kid freaks out during a session we're still getting great pictures here's an example look look at this beautiful picture we got um so just the fact that I don't just expect you to stand there and pose yourself, but that I pose you and that I have experience and training and that I've studied this. That's something that I've started formalizing and talking about more. Um, and then lastly, this kind of ties in with that managing kids is, you know, I have worked with kids my whole life. I was a coach. I worked at a daycare. I was a high school teacher. Um, it doesn't matter what kids throw at me. It completely doesn't phase me. <laughs> with my own kids. I've seen it all. Um, and so I have a lot of clients that tell me, A, I love that you have three kids and I shame them a lot on social media so that people can see that my kids are not angels. <laughs> my house isn't perfect. Um, I'm sure they know that I'm that not judging too. them, right? <laughs> like they know that. They know that literally whatever happens, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, and they also know that whatever their kids throw at me, we're still going to get these beautiful pictures. Um, and I... You know, it can be hard to show that because I never want to like shame a client and be like, this kid was wild, but look how good the pictures came out anyway. But I try to find creative ways to kind of show, mm-hmm. you know, guess what? This little boy fell down right when we started the session and mm-hmm. cried for a long time. But look how beautiful the pictures still came out. Or, wow, these people have four kids under the age of six. Imagine what that was like. And look how beautiful these still came out. Um, that's a big thing that, you know, I think... I also have realized that even if you're hiring a cheap photographer, it's so much work to get your family dressed and to get ready and to get there and to do the session. And I have realized that people are willing to pay a little bit more for um, guaranteed results versus going with someone a little cheaper who Mm -hmm. maybe they can handle your kids, maybe they can't. I think that just through six years of consistently showing that I can handle kids and that I have um, plan Bs in place and that I have rewards in place and I have briberies in place. I have it all in my back pocket and games, you know, they don't have to worry about kids. Um, so those would be like the four things that I really started just formally talking about more and showing more. 
Well, and, and I'm, so I'm, I'm taking notes, uh, as I do many times, I kind of show my notebook here, but I'm old school paper notes. Uh, number one, client closet and styling. I mean, you truly up the ante and we've, we've talked about that, demonstrated that already. I'm totally blown go away. Go big seriously. or go home. <laughs> well, seriously though, but like major props to you for doing something that's actually unique. And, and I mean, wow. Number two was to start marketing the experience, I guess, more proactively. And you said mm-hmm. primarily through the website, because that's the main point of contact with, with the clients and it, your website's just beautiful, really beautifully done. Even the consistency and color throughout too is really nice, including the images. And then the colors used in the sites, beautiful. Number three was directing clients during the session. And I wanted to ask you just briefly about this because we've got about 20 minutes mm-hmm. and some other stuff to get into too. But how did you, you said this was something that you were already doing. Is there certain, were there certain ways that you kind of up the ante or that, were there certain techniques that you added to your uh, portfolio of you, if you will, of options to pull from when you were directing clients more effectively? I wouldn't, you know, I think with time I have naturally started doing more poses and more creative poses mm-hmm. and like, for example, in maternity sessions, I've just gotten away from just the basic, I mean, with time, right? You, you, you master one thing and then you look to add a few new things. So, um, I would say just, just through authentic growth, I have added more posing and more experimentation. Um, but I think what I meant more is that I talked about it more so that people that hadn't Mm. worked with me yet, I've had people book nuts. I love that you said that you'll pose us or that you'll tell us what to do because our wedding photographer didn't or our engagement photographer didn't or our last photographer, you know. Um, So before it was like anyone that had worked with me raved about it or knew that I did it, but anyone that hadn't had no idea because I just assumed that that was a given that every photographer did that. Um, Or maybe I just, you know, I was just caught in that cycle of like edit and post, edit and post. Yeah. Versus being more intentional about what yeah. messages do I want to get out into the world, I was just editing and posting every session. Um, yeah, and so I've it seen was this really, in, yeah. I've seen this in the in the environment of workshops. I know workshops are a bit different, certainly as an environment, as an example. But uh, the the number of times that I've seen photographers just all kind of blindly shooting, taking pictures of the subject, the models in front of them, without any kind of direction, any kind of communication, and just kind of <laughs> expect them to do something. Um, or maybe yeah. they're just clicking away and hoping that something's going to turn out. And maybe with out. a model you can, maybe with a professional model. But mm, yeah. I'm not dealing with professional models. Yeah. I'm dealing with people who, again, are managing their kids, who are frazzled, who, and, and truthfully, most of my clients are moms who are not feeling their, you know, if you had a baby within the last couple of years, you're probably not feeling your absolute best. You probably mm. are carrying a few extra pounds. and. Mm-hmm. All of those things are things I'm conscious of because just from my own experiences of being photographed, yeah. you know, I want them to just look and feel their best, both during the session and seeing their pictures. Well, that's I, I think, again, it's funny how some of these things that might seem a bit obvious are the things many times that need to be reiterated and highlighted because it's it's a lot of times it's the basics done consistently that make the biggest impact. And, and so being proactive and directing clients during a session communicating. And, and the thing that I, I found was really important was to, to be very engaging with my compliments and mm-hmm. certainly to say them meaningfully. And it's easy as a photographer just to kind of feed them a line for just because that's what a photographer does. It's another thing for the client to actually hear in the tone of our voice, mm-hmm. see the look in our face Excitement. that we actually mean what we're saying. I think that's really important. And then I also I, think, I'm sorry, I was just, I also think that like this authentic posing is so big right now, right? The natural moments. And I'm sure. all for that. I want it. But I think there's a misconception that you can just throw someone out in a field and the natural moments will happen. <laughs> and Act I've like had photographers happy. do this Act to like me. I literally have had people say, 
I had someone say to me once, go be, you know, lovey-dovey over there. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? Where do I put my hands? Um, yeah. So I tell people, like, you have to feel comfortable and you have to feel taken care of. You can't feel mm. like I'm throwing you to the wolves. Mm-hmm. And once you feel taken care of, you'll let your guard down and you'll laugh. You'll let your guard down and that really unplanned moment will happen. But you have to feel safe first and you have to be given direction to feel safe. So um, I will sometimes make people do things that it's not even the photo I want. It's just the process of getting them comfortable and making them feel guided. And then the thing that I'm going for happens naturally. And then the fourth thing that you mentioned, of course, was this highlighting the experience that you bring when it comes to the kids. And and I think everything that you said kind of speaks for itself, but I I love that you're intentional in communicating that. It goes back to that brand position again, lowering the stress. And what does that look Mm -hmm. like being proactive and communicating that to the potential client, I'm sure is a a massive draw. So that's huge. I want to keep going though here because we have just about 15 minutes and I'm going to kind of change the uh, direction of the conversation just slightly. When we're talking about upping the ante with the experience in order to then charge a premium as well, we're also naturally talking about targeting or marketing toward a different segment of the market. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious if you can just touch briefly on what you feel has been most effective, at least for your business, when it comes to drawing in your so-called target or ideal client. So a lot of times people are afraid to raise their prices until they've found, like they want to find their ideal client first and then raise their prices. And what I always tell people is As your prices get higher, you're going to find that your inquiries are just organically better matches for you because once you are out of the competition of price shopping, um, once you are not a person that people are hiring because you're the cheapest, people are really only going to be coming to you because they actually really like what you do. So, you know, someone who's just looking for a photographer in my area and oh, I came up on Google in their town, like they're going to see my prices and say, no, that's that's out of my budget, probably. Um, the only people who are going to inquire with me are people who see the value in the styling, in the client closet, in what I, you know, how I manage children, in all the things that I do. So that's my first kind of piece of advice is that um, your prices don't have to be crazy high. But when you get out of that really cheap zone, you will just find that the people coming to you organically like your work and your style. And that's why they're reaching out. Um, But for me, like the three biggest things to attracting the ideal client and to just, just making sure that the people I work with that it's not gimmicky, but that I'm actually like the best fit for them and that they're a good fit for me um, is really being in control of the perception of my brand. Uh, And we, we have to remember like social media is amazing for this because you literally control all of the messaging that you send out and all of the visuals that you send out. So um, for me, I'm constantly trying to just really be conscious of what I put out there and intentional. Um, Again, adding value whenever possible, showing that I'm in demand. I know a lot of photographers who are fully booked working all the time and they never post. You don't even know that they're busy. Uh, Mm. So that really takes away that idea of scarcity, which is a very strong driving psychological force for purchasing. Um, And then always under-promising and over-delivering is such a basic concept, but it's like, why don't we do that? Um, If I know I'm going to be a week and a half on editing, I tell them three weeks. I don't tell them a week and they're thrilled. Um, My second is just consistency. I'm a huge fan of consistency. And I think photographers want to like always reinvent the wheel and do something new and crazy. And that's great. But in terms of client happiness, showing 
things in a repetitive way, showing similar posing, similar styling, similar backdrops, it's going to help them know what to expect from their session with you. And when they get it, they're going to be very happy. So I am really big on repetition. Mm. And I hear from clients all the time, I can't believe my baby's in that pose that I see you do all the time. Or I can't believe my family is in my favorite beach that I see you shooting on all the time. Um, The photographers I know who have problems with client happiness are the ones who are kind of all over the map with what they show. There's no consistency. They do a lot of different things. And if I was a client of theirs, I wouldn't know what to expect from my session because it's all over the place. Um, And then lastly is scarcity. And again, this isn't a gimmick. It's truly, if you're giving a full experience, you only have so many hours in the day. You cannot be book. You cannot be shooting seven days a week. Um, So truly don't overbook and then truly communicate that to your clients so that they know that if they wait too long, you're just not going to have any openings left. Um, And this isn't convincing someone to buy something they don't want. It's just going to be the push that someone that wants to book with you anyway needs to say, I got to get on this before I miss out. Because again, that's just a very strong tool uh, that if you're on the fence about buying something and you feel like you could miss it, it's going to be that little push that you need to actually make the purchase. I, this has been just wonderfully practical, Stephanie. So I, I really appreciate these points that you're making. I, I want to transition to my last question, though, because we have mm-hmm. another important point to hit. We're going to get back to this amazing client closet experience yeah. that you shared earlier. Let's just make it simple. What would you say are three of the most important elements of a strong client closet? And I'll add the caveat here because I'm curious about this. You, you mentioned leading up to our conversation today that you feel like photographers are doing or approaching the client closet the wrong way a lot of times. Maybe you can kind of start with your, your perspective on that and then get to those three points that you think are most important. Definitely. So first, I think it's really important that, again, when we talk about attracting the ideal client, um, it's really important that your clients not feel like you're putting them in costumes. <laughs> and I do see some people, they have this look they want and it's mm. dramatic and they're trying to get the people who book with them who maybe aren't booking for that look because they haven't established that reputation mm. yet or that brand. And they're trying to make them dress in a way that doesn't feel like them. And that is where client closets get a lot of criticism in photography communities is because it makes the client feel like you're trying to make them part of your portfolio versus actually making them who they are, but the best version for me, like I'm trying the people that come to me want the clothing that I show. Now, if they have a different style, like if you want to wear a leather jacket and jeans or a cowboy hat, like I'm down, <laughs> but I don't tend to get those people because they come to me for my aesthetic. Okay. Uh, and my, my clothing doesn't, you know, it is part of the posing I do and the windblown look and my editing style, it's all connected, right? So I really am not changing the style of who books with me. I'm just helping them achieve it in a way that's not stressful. Um, and I'm helping their family look like the best version of themselves. So that's one. You have to do the work to attracting the right clients first before building a client closet. Uh, that's really, really important okay. <laughs> for so, it to be successful. Well, and so where do you think the, the balance is before we get to these, uh, the rest of the elements of a great client closet? When you talk about not essentially costuming your clients, right? Based mm-hmm. on some aesthetic that you're trying to create some photographers might push back and say, well, but I, my clients are coming to me for this particular look. And well, that's, even- if they are, then that's great. Okay. But if you're having to force it on them or if you're having to convince them, okay. um, or if you're, 
you know, if the dad is standing there like, this is not my family. Yeah. This is not yeah. who, we, like, what is this? Hmm. Um, that might be a sign that maybe you've gone a little too far. For me, I really focused on styling before I started the client closet. So I really focused on posting images and only posting images that were what I wanted to attract. Mm. Um, and as I started posting and I did a few like kind of um, styled pre-planned sessions that I completely was in control of that were, um, you know, just really branding shoots. And as I started to show it, I started to get people coming to me saying, I really love the look of that. Can you help me dress my family that way? And after about a year of that, that's when I started building the client closet because I felt like with every family, I was having to like Google frantically to find the <laughs> outfits that worked. And it was a lot of work. And I'm like, why don't I just carry the dresses so they're here? And that way people can easily recreate the look that they like without having to search for it in the internet. <laughs> and then ironically, COVID hit where you couldn't buy mm. any clothing and get mm. it on time. So that's when it blew up completely as everybody was like, Oh my God, I don't have to shop. I don't have to go to a mall in a pandemic. Awesome. And it's stuck. <laughs> wow. Okay. But you talk about, I guess, really what it comes down to, because I'm taking notes here, and you're bringing the right clients in. In order for a client, yes. client closet to work, the clients that you bring in, that you bring in, have to match with the aesthetic that you're creating within that closet. Yes. But a lot of that just comes down to expectations and management, right? That the yes. impression that you create with your brand, literally from the beginning, the moment they land on your site the first time, it's got to be, you talked about consistency earlier. It's got to be consistent mm -hmm. from that point all the way through. So there isn't any confusion. You don't put the family members in an awkward position where they're like, oh, this is not really what we do. It's important to stay cons consistent in the management of their expectations that this is the aesthetic that you're delivering and, and just stick with that. Is that it? Well, it's like I've had mentees say to me like, um, all my families are showing up in jeans and matching flannel shirts. This isn't what I want. And I go to their Instagram and I'm like, well, you keep posting families in matching jeans and flannel shirts. <laughs> like, mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like no, if you yeah. want that look fine, but yeah. people are going to come to you because when they look on your Instagram or your website, if it's what they envision for themselves, they're going to see you as a good match. So if you're posting things that you hate, just because you want to look busy, and you want to post every family, uh, then you're yeah. not going to attract the right clients. Yeah. Um, you know, I have clients show up in jeans. I have clients show up in more casual looks, and that's totally fine. And um, it doesn't even mean I won't post it. I just won't highlight it. I won't make it, you know, my big selling post um, because what I post does really impact my brand and who books with me. So I'm just conscious and intentional with that. So the first point then, or I guess first step toward creating a really great client closet is making sure that you're connecting the right clients with your brand or vice versa. Mm -hmm. We can look at it both directions, but that's yeah. the first step. Give us a couple more, more ideas behind creating a great closet. Um, I mean, these are more maybe practical. I don't know if you're looking for like actual clothing sure. <laughs> advice, yeah, but I'll, I'll yeah. start with, you know, just kind of more generic. The second is you just must charge enough. And I just see, I see people every day starting client closets because it's trendy and it's the thing to do. And I just, after having done it myself, it is so much work. Um, and even if you're offering styling services, but not providing the clothes, if you are helping your clients with styling, that is so much work and time. And that is so much more than just being a photographer that shows up and takes pictures. Um, and you have to charge for that. You know, we cannot, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by not charging enough and then 
confusing consumers with what's an appropriate price for mm. this service because I see so many people undercharging for it. Well, I mean, you got to um, charge enough to buy. You talk about a thousand or over a thousand pieces of clothing. You have to charge enough to just for the sake of covering the expense of the clothing. Sure. And the dry cleaning and I steam them before their session. And, wow. you know, just it's time. <laughs> All of it is time, even yeah. more so than the, the price of the inventory. Um, the time is just a lot of back and forth emails, high stress mm. emails. <laughs> Oh, I can imagine. Wow. Okay. So make sure that the client coming in matches the brand. You do that by proactively managing expectations about mm-hmm. the, the finished product that you're delivering. Um, and then, of course, that, that wardrobe that you're building up is going to match that brand. It's going to be consistent with that brand. Charge enough. I mean, it, and it is very practical, but it's important to keep in mind that if you're going to do this and scale this, especially to the extent that you have, you've got to charge a premium. Um, take us to the last point here as we're finishing up. So my last point, I'll talk about actual clothing for anyone that actually wants to do this themselves. Um, You know, just a more logistical, practical point that when you're starting out, look for pieces that you can get the most mileage out of. Uh, So look for clothing that is a versatile fit, meaning it will fit a wide range of bodies. So things like having elastic everywhere is good. Um, You don't want something that will only fit someone who's a size six. You want something that um, will fit a wide range of sizes um, and will be flattering on a lot of different types of body types, something that could work for a pregnant person or a not pregnant person. You know, if you're starting out, uh, obviously you're not going to go all in with thousands of pieces of clothing. You're probably going to start out with five to 10 dresses. Um, look for things that are just going to be really versatile, neutrals, things that could work in all different seasons that you could add accessories with. Mm. Um, just look for things that are going to get you the most bang for your buck with the most people. And when it comes to actually buying this clothing, can you make some recommendations or suggestions as to where photographers should look? I mean, is it, is it obvious or do you have like this secret (laughs) outlet that you go to all the time? (laughs) It was secret. It's not anymore. It's pretty Baltic born is kind of my go-to and and I discovered them when they were a small startup um, and they've kind of blown up every, I think most photographers that provide clothing know about them. They are a great, um, they're a great store with a great mission and their clothing is good quality and the fabric is very flowy so it doesn't wrinkle and it's flattering and on a postpartum body it's going to skim right over your stomach and just really be easy to wear. Most of them also work for maternity. Um, I also, you know, as I've grown this, I one of those things of going all in is I've invested in more investment pieces. So um, like reclamation gowns, um, which are definitely an investment but the good thing about them is they do fit sizes 0 to 16 they fit so you only need one <laughs> and they fit everybody and again with a higher price point having some really unique pieces that a person can't just go buy themselves i think makes me stand out and it makes it a really special experience and i've had people that have booked me just for those dresses because nobody's going to go spend a thousand dollars on a dress for a photo session. Um, so if they can come with me, what are they called again? One more time. Reclamation gowns. R-E-C-L. She's on Etsy. Um, and they're all handmade. They're beautiful quality. Um, there's other, there's other, you know, flutter dresses is another good brand. Um, but they're like handmade vintage lace. They're beautiful. They're dramatic. And, they're not for everyone. Again, this would be something that some people might feel like it's a costume. It's too much. But for some people that really want to like spoil themselves with a fun experience, um, people really love it. And it's it's not something I necessarily recommend starting out with. But again, if you want to differentiate yourself from everybody else that's doing this, um, that's a great thing to do that has um, definitely paid for itself for me. 
And is, is it wherereclamation.com? Is this the right website here? Yes, and I believe that brings you to her Etsy page where she sells them. Okay. Um, wherereclamation.com, and then you mentioned Baltic Born earlier, BalticBorn.com yep. for anybody listening in. Of course, we'll link to these in the show notes. Baltic um, Born's very affordable, um, yeah. you know, which is great. They're and then it's, I've stuff. even jumped into kids' clothes, and then I've even added men's clothes, which I dragged my feet on because um, men's clothes felt easy that I, I would assume every guy owns a basic <laughs> shirt, but you'd be surprised that, you know, a lot of men have like, work wear yeah. and then like gym wear and a lot of people were scrambling to find like a nice Henley shirt or a nice casual shirt for photos okay. so I'm like okay I'll just go you know not a huge deal I'll go pick up you know a bunch of shirts for men and now I have them and you know that's the finishing piece okay so I would appreciate that you <laughs> yeah. see me in a black v-neck t-shirt this is what I wear all the time pretty much so it is between that and gym it's clothing your look. So. <laughs> It is, but you know, I mean, it's nice to mix it up every once in a while. I mean, even my girlfriend and I will go out or we're going on a trip or something and I might bring a shirt, an extra shirt along, just something different. It's fun to mix yeah. it up. And um, I appreciate her response to seeing something different. So yeah, I mean, having options for guys to be able to choose from, I think is wonderful. I mean, are there particular brands that you're buying from for the guys' clothing? Honestly, Old Navy has okay. been a great, they have surprisingly high quality um, and truthfully for photos, you know, it doesn't have to be the highest quality. That's the other thing. Um, it doesn't have to be the highest quality item. It has to photograph well and has to fit well. That's important. Makes sense. Um, and ironically, I've, from talking to men, they like things that are lightweight. Mm. They like things that are fitted and they mm. like things that, um, I hear a lot of men say like women, it's our, it's our stomach. We're self-conscious about for men, it's their chest. So they want a shirt that will kind of keep them in place because <laughs> okay, dads are like going a... through the same thing as women. Like, you know, you've put on a few extra pounds, you're not sure. feeling your best. Yeah. Um, and so I try to be conscious of that as well of, um, you know, like a Henley that's too thin will kind of show the belly and it might show the, ch- the chest a little mm. bit more than they want. So, um, items that kind of skim over what you don't like yeah. and items that are fitted and sleek are sure. no matter the gender, kind of what we're going for. Wow. Okay. This is <laughs> truly, this has been wonderfully practical, huge Thank value you. add, I think in being, bringing a different perspective to this conversation that again, I've, I've yet to see. So I, I'm truly impressed, Stephanie. And I'm also impressed by just the, the level of practicality in this information for anybody who's listening in, who wants to learn more. I, you mentioned earlier, like coaching, basically, is, is that something that you offer to photographers that are wanting to learn this process a little bit more? I do offer mentoring uh, right now. It's I'm doing virtual only just because that's the best fit with my schedule. Sure. Um, but I do offer virtual mentoring. Basically, it's through a Zoom and it's personalized to whatever you would want. Um, I don't usually have time for that in the fall just because I'm so busy. But during slower times of year, I can take on um, quite a few of those. And they're a lot of fun. And again, with my teaching background, it kind of scratches my teaching itch. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun there. Yeah. Well, I'm, we're going to link to your website, of course, stephaniecolephotography.com. I've got it up here on the screen. Uh, I managed to type it out as you were talking so we could add it back in there again. Thank you. And then Stephanie Cole Photography on Instagram as well. We'll link to all these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Patrick said, thanks a lot for bringing so much value. This has been very enlightening. Thanks, Patrick, for listening in to really appreciate your commenting. Thanks, everybody else, too who joined in today. And again, don't be shy to come back, join our, in fact, we have another live stream coming up at two Eastern. Um, We're going to be talking about workflow and how that translates to profit and business, but don't hesitate to jump in and comment and have conversation with us. But Stephanie, this has been really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for making time for all of us today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm such a fan. (laughs) 